Hi, hello everybody, FPL Teacher here, bringing you yet another quick review with Southampton 1, Brighton 3 on the cards. We look at what Brighton did to take a commanding 3-0 lead before eventually conceding to Southampton's substitutes in the second half. But really, it is about celebrating the return of certain starting 11 players that we endear oh so much. As well as for FPL purposes, we look at how we can potentially utilize Brighton's budget prospects moving forward while analyzing what Newcastle or sorry what Southampton's new formations have shown us. Southampton, the 4231 finally came to the fore with their 3-5-2 quickly abandoned under Hasohuto. Nathan Jones now brandishing two central midfielders in the form of Diallo and James Ward-Prowse supporting a relatively structured winger system up front with El Yunusi as the number 10. Flexible enough, this time Edozi was playing on the left with Gineppo usually on the left wing back spot playing on the right side. Now, this particular choice of the first, their first 11 prioritized speed, especially on the dribble. The idea here was that Jones chose midfielders or at least attacking midfielders that would basically push and run into space given how Brighton themselves concede a lot of space by building attacks in their third. With that experiment failing at halftime, Gineppo was hooked and James Ward-Prowse was basically the sole midfield holder as Diallo was hooked as well, bringing on yet another dribbler in the form of Joe Aribo. This time round, Jones prioritized change of pace rather than just burst of speed, which meant that Aribo had sporadic influence all across the pitch, not really sparking relationships with other forwards, but instead just creating chaos, hoping that the likes of Adams and yet another substitute Armstrong having space in the final third. That being said, the longer the second half wore on, the weirder the substitutions got. Kyle Walker-Peters on the right side, usually a shooting threat, was brought over to the left side. And instead, with Perot hooked, a midfielder, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, was brought on to, field in, to be fielded in at right back. The unfortunate thing here was that everything still relied on James Watt-Prowse winning the ball in midfield before finding any of these attackers instead of all the flair attackers finding themselves. So for FPL purposes, unfortunately, at least in terms of Southampton attack, it's difficult to see where the returns will come from given their easy fixtures. Perot unfortunately thrives in a five-man system at the back, which means that his prospects at left back in this four-man system has massively diminished as well. Lastly, with Southampton playing against Arsenal and Liverpool on the horizon, priority should be given to players who will be fielded on the flank against them, as I will elaborate on Mitoma's effect on poor right-back Carl Walker-Peters later on. Martinelli will be the first name on the team sheet to target when they play each other, while Liverpool, well... You're looking at somebody who will play on the left flank. So technically, it's Darwin Nunes territory, but Andy Robertson is also likely to profit. Brighton, whose 4-2-3-1 saw Pascal Gross start now in central midfield, standing in for McAllister, who was on holiday. 
Now, with Joao Feldman filling in at right back, the crucial reintroduction here was Kaoru Mitoma on the left flank, as well as Adam Lalana in the number 10 position. This meant that Brighton arguably have most of their starting 11 playing here. Much better look compared to game week 16. As it stands, Brighton basically continued to do deserby things, using their back four to play dangerously within their penalty area in order to lure Southampton players forward. After using their back six to engineer an opening, so to speak, they play one direct long pass either onto the flanks, if not straight to their number nine in the form of Trossard. Now, this approach worked much more effectively on the left compared to the right. Number one, because Estupinian is a lot better on the ball compared to Joel Veltman on the right side. This also meant that the link-up between Estupinian and Mitoma on the left flank, the left touchline specifically, caused a lot of problems for Southampton moving into the final third, or at least the second half of the pitch. Now another Deserby trademark that we've not seen in quite a long while involved these 1-2 wall passes that we see in the final third just to create openings. This is where Trossard and Lalana both had specific movements out to the left half space in order to make sure that Estupinian and Mitoma can hit the byline at full speed without much obstruction. Mitoma will make the headlines for engineering several chances for his teammates, but really the general passage of play was that the ball would work up the left side, cross for the right side to finish. If not, the ball will eventually come back from the right side into the center for the likes of Lalana to make his trademark late runs in order to finish. As usual, for FPL purposes, we have to time Brighton's fixtures with their form in order to maximize their potential. Now, Arsenal and Liverpool roll up to the Amex in the next three. So really, the peak of their FPL appeal lies in game week 21, where the man, the myth, the legend, Ben Krelin, has stated that it's very likely that Brighton Palace will be shifted into that game week alongside Leicester. This is where Kaoru Mitoma will continue to shine down the flanks, but really, it is about that aggression of palaces down the left side, where Solimaj can potentially take advantage of, given how they have left that flank open in recent weeks. Now, another chink in the Brighton armour here was that Joel Veltman, 1v1, was left quite exposed against Edozi, who was allowed to dribble past him on the turn. So this is where Arsenal and Liverpool potentially has a lot of influence in the next three, where Martinelli and Gray on the left side will also have similar bearing, taking on Joel Veltman 1v1 on that same side in order to influence the scoreline. Finally, it has to be said that overall, this Southampton-Brighton game led to an extremely end-to-end high-quality contest that saw a lot of good passing, at least compared to the Everton Wolves game that had absolutely no production, chemistry or ingenuity really at all. At this stage, Southampton have yet to show who we can invest in, but when they come good, they will come really good. As for Brighton, well, as long as their starting eleven stays healthy, they will continue to be attractive and it's just about being patient enough to wait for game week 21. This is FPL Teacher speaking, reviewing the big teams up next, starting with Aston Villa, Liverpool.